This is the Believe Crew podcast, and the business is you. Being an entrepreneur, no matter what stage of the journey, requires personal growth to sustain your success and create the ultimate life of abundance. I'm Jamie White, founder of Believe Crew and your host. Join me as I interview coaches, entrepreneurs, and authors that inspire us to go where they have gone. Be inspired today to grow and be the best you. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to have Sarah Reed with us on the podcast today. She is the coach with Moonstone Coaching, and she helps people with career transitions. When I first met Sarah, I connected with her about how career is so much more about mindset than it is about resume. And I love digging in with Sarah about what are the things that actually matter when someone is looking at a career transition. And she's been in business for seven years. I love learning from coaches that have been doing the work and figuring out what it is that works for their clients and what's worked for them. So let's dig in and see what it is about her niche that makes her special. We have Sarah Reed here today. Tell us a little bit about your business and the business name. Well, thanks, Jamie, for having me. I'd love to tell you a little bit about myself and the business. I am the founder of Moonstone Coaching and Consulting. So I do career coaching. I work with folks typically in corporate America who are looking to most often make a change, right? They've been in their job for a long time and they're a little... um, freaked out by it, quite frankly, if I'm being honest, right? Like it scares them to make the change. And they're also unclear as to what they want to do next. So I help them work through getting clear on what they want to do next, helping them kind of calm those nerves and build their confidence up. And then I help them actually execute on the plan to get there. So that's, that's me. That's awesome. So when you Mm -hmm. say that, um, they're a little nervous about it, how long have they probably been in their position so far? Oftentimes, a lot of my clients have been 20, 25, you know, years. So it's, it's a long time, right? And the job market has changed so much in that time frame. Even people who've been in their current job for five years, right? The technology and COVID changed things and all sorts of things make kind of the process a bit different. Um, So that can be kind of nerve wracking for people. And a lot of people that I've worked with, they haven't had to interview. So they, um, they will, be like, I've been at this job. And then my previous job I got because of a right. friend. So they really haven't had to put themselves out, out there in that traditional way, yeah. uh, even even longer than the time they were in their current role. Okay. So how did you end up getting into this? How did you wake up and decide, I want to become a coach? Yeah. Okay. So I promise this isn't going to be ridiculous, but it actually started when I was 17. Wow. So I, I know, right. I promise it won't take like forever to tell you this, but I, I was right out of high school. I was getting ready to go to college and needed a job in the summer. And so I went to a temp agency local to the area and happened to interview with the owner who was filling in for someone. And she must've liked me because she said, would you want to work in our office? And I'm thinking that sounds a lot better than your regular temp assignment, right? So they sent me on one assignment. I did well. And then I ended up working in their offices um, all through college. So I was kind of introduced to the staffing business at a really young age. I did temporary placement. I helped with resumes. This was in the days when, you know, faxes were on rolls of paper and things like that. Right? <laughs> I like, love it. You know, dating myself. It's real. It's real. real. Um, but I was really young then. So that makes me feel better. Right. right? <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so I did that, right? And I was a psychology major um, when I went to school. So it was a nice parallel. It was kind of how I could see being able to use my degree in a corporate sense that I hadn't thought about. I had no idea so, how closely psychology mm-hmm. and uh, human resources or even business management aligned. Like if you would have asked me mm-hmm. when I was thinking about picking a degree, what I would be interested in, it, on the bottom of the list would have been something in psychology, but business management would have been at the top of the list. So how come mm-hmm. I had no idea they were so closely aligned? No. And I found when I was in corporate for all those years, I used it more than I probably I ever expected to. And I really appreciated that. It was a different application. Um, so that's, that's, that was the beginning of it, right? Then I, I went and worked in uh, Temple University in Philadelphia for a couple of years. And I wanted to be a psychologist at that point in time, but I realized the academic setting was not for me. Um, and came back to this area for family reasons and got sucked back into the staffing firm because that's what that business does. And um, a company locally here by the name of Bear became my biggest client, um, their financial services firm. And um, I really enjoyed uh, placing folks for them. I, you know, we had great relationships, good people. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, staffing is not for me. I don't like the headhunting. I like the recruiting aspect of that, but I don't like the headhunting. I don't like the commission. I don't like the force fit. So Barrett approached me and asked me if I wanted to work for them. And um, I did, and I ended up being there for 14 years. So that's how I landed in HR. And again, it was a great compliment to psychology. I was the only psychology major in the department, and I was like, that doesn't happen in HR. It was just really curious, right? So I've really been on this path in this space since I was 17. And then I got burnt out of corporate, quite frankly. And I was like, and I'd always, since I was on the bus in like middle school, I was always the counselor, the coach, right? Like all my friends were coming to me. I kind of had this natural aptitude for it. So then you layer on my corporate experience and my degree. And it just, it just evolved. You know, I was known as kind of the go-to person when I was at Baird and um, oftentimes people came, whether they, they needed my expertise in recruiting or not, they knew I was a safe, safe space and someone to talk to. So that's where it kind of evolved from there. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. And it just seemed when I decided I had to get out of corporate, it was the next evolution of how I could use all this experience I've had since I was 17, right? Like it was helping people on the other side of the desk from HR and helping them navigate their career um, through a different lens. So when so. you started it, was it Moonstone Coaching right out of the gate? And how did you see somebody yeah, else doing I mean, it or what, what was the inspiration? You mean the career coaching or the name or what, both, what do you mean both. exactly? I want to make Okay. So um, I'll start with the name. I wanted to make sure people kind of got that I was a little left to center. And I mean that in a good way that I wasn't necessarily your traditional career coach because oftentimes career coaching is based off of let's look, make your resume look fantastic and let's get you that next job. And it's all about the money. And like, like, and there is nothing wrong with that, but I am really focused on making sure people find the best move for them as a whole person, right? That it aligns with their values and their likes and preferences and it aligns with their life so that it all works together. So I am not, traditional in that sense. So I focus a little bit more on that kind of human piece of it, not career piece, um, in making sure they, they realize who they are before they make that move so that they find the best fit for themselves. So that's, I wanted people to just know off the bat that, and I'm into crystals and things like that. So that kind of gave an indication that if you resonate with the name, you're okay with something a little left to center. That was the logic. I love it. I um, love it. 
Oh, that was that was the thought process. Okay, now I forgot your other part of your question. I'm sorry. Well, you I think answered both of them a little bit, but I was curious if there was some yeah. somebody that inspired you where you realized it could be a thing or you just you know, we had coaches as a part of Baird, right? So we had executive coaches on site. Um, so I knew it was, was a possibility. Yeah. So, and this, you know, when I started at 17, I didn't know anything about coaching. It was hardly a thing right, at that point right. in time. But now, you know, you, you move through the corporate space for a long enough time and, and executive coaching is very much on the forefront. And I knew I didn't want to be an executive coach. I wanted to work directly with that person um, and help serve them that it's that one-on-one -on -one relationship without anyone else kind of mixed in, in that kind of can sometimes I've seen complicate that relationship. Okay. I want to hear more about that. And I want to know approximately okay. how many years ago this was that you started the business then? Eight years. So it's been eight years and you knew mm -hmm. that you didn't want to do executive coaching because what was it that you were seeing? What was your experience with executive coaching up to that point? What I had seen is it got complicated, right? So the co the executive coach is hired by the corporation and it isn't as pure of a relationship, right? So the corporation is paying for that investment in that person, which is great, right? And, and I am pro that. However, I found that it, the, then the coachee, right? Does not have the same level of comfort with the coach because they know that corporation is involved in that relationship, right? So I have. I do some executive coaching for clients that just happen to come my way that are, they want someone who is just going to be their coach that they are paying directly, that they know will get the honest God truth, whether you stay in the organization or you go, like I will give them, you know, my perspective on that and my take and help them work through that. So I think that's that huge. Sense. And having your own personal investment in something, you know, at that point where you say, I'm interested in this to the point where I'll invest in it myself. And mm -hmm. I love the idea of bosses investing in their employees, and yet there is there is a shift in the relationship. I think what you're saying speaks yeah. to what I've seen, and even if mm -hmm. even if we don't want to believe it's true, it's just hard to have their best interests at heart when you've got the company paying for it. Yeah. And it can still be really mm -hmm. useful and very helpful, but... You know, I found in doing this work that often the things that hold people back are pretty personal, right? right? And pretty vulnerable right. Right. Um, that have nothing to do with their career or nothing to do with their job. And that that for a lot of people, they're not necessarily comfortable divulging that to a, I'm going to say corporate coach, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you and I had talked a little bit before, you know, saying, hey, mm -hmm. let's do an interview together, you had said that you really spend a lot of time with your clients on mindset. Is that really what you're mm -hmm. speaking to right now. Like it's the personal things that are getting in the way. So can you give an example or kind of like what you see common? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. So in the career space, right? The whole job, the whole um, goal is, is to land a new job. So what I found, and I found this when I was um, hi hiring myself, right? On the corporate side of things, I would interview someone who looked great on paper, but I could tell they just didn't show up well in the interview, right? And and I could see, I'm like, I think you're a good candidate, but I don't know if I'm going to take a risk on you because the person to the left and right of you showed up better. And what I mean by showing up, I mean with confidence, clear on what they wanted and things like that, right? So I always talk to my clients, you can have 
a great resume and your your pitch can be wonderful, but if everything else behind that isn't aligned and if you aren't clear on why you want this next role or why you want to move into this space, it, the, those interviewers will notice, right? Like they, most recruiters have a sixth sense, right? Whether they recognize it or not, right? And they will catch that. And then that ends up impacting your career and it could have nothing to do with your work, right? It could just be that you get, you know, freaked out in selling yourself. And that's more of a thing that happened when you were young, right? That, that impacted you. So those are the things that I find that, that I work through my client with my clients on beyond that tactical side of things, right? And I find that that's the best way I can serve them. That again, I'd rather you see a, a decent resume and really work on making sure you feel good and confident about yourself than have this fabulous resume and be like, okay, I'm good for the interview-ish. Well, and imposter syndrome sense. is a real thing sometimes. I mean, if we mm-hmm. present ourselves oh, yeah. and we're not actually in alignment with what we're presenting, like we can put whatever we want on LinkedIn. I mean, it's free marketing. Yep. But the reality is totally. if you have imposter syndrome and someone asks you, about it you're like um yeah no and it's interesting you say that so I have a lot of clients that come my way that already come with resumes that people have helped them with they've hired someone to do that over the years and things like that and I just the other day I was with a client and she's like this isn't me right like they get really freaked out by the language and that's part of what we talk through right I've done that with a number of clients two things can happen right so it's talking through okay yes this is true it's just in a um sales sort of language, right? So it's just about the frame up, not about the fact that it's not really you. And then the other thing that can happen is we tweak the language so that they feel like it's a little bit more them, right? That it feels a little bit more like, okay, I I can put myself behind it because I see that a lot. People that get resumes done and then it doesn't feel like them. And then that actually messes with them more in the process than than anything else if they would have used their old resume that wasn't done professionally, if that makes sense. That is so interesting and it totally makes sense. It's not something that I would have, you know, just thought, but at the same time completely makes sense. What is the difference mm-hmm. if you could put your finger on it between the the job market today and the job seekers, your the people you're coaching and what it was when you first started? Is there any difference or is everything just kind of the same old same old? Well, thank God we don't have the roller fax machines anymore. That I literally, you know, because I was young, I was 17, they hired me for this job. I would cut the paper. That was part of my job in the beginning was cutting the roll and then putting a bunch of phone books on top of it so we would even them out. I know it sounds ridiculous. So that doesn't happen anymore. But um, I would say the shift to more remote work has made it great and more complicated in some ways, right? Because I think reality as well as perception, it... it that's not exactly the right way to say it, but I'll, I'll just go with it, right? So reality is, is then you open the market up to more people in that job, right? So that, that I find that freaking people out, right? Like their perception is that I'm competing with so many more people. And yes, you are. And yes, you aren't, right? So I think that's evolved and that has changed. I think technology and the advent of applicant tracking systems and the technology that HR departments use to track people has really hurt the process as much as it streamlined things, right? So you went through the evolution that traditionally you had to walk in or mail or email your resume, right? Way back when. And so there was nothing that was automated around that. So that kept down your flow of information for what you could put out and what as well as a 
organization could handle, right? The, the influx of what they got. And then the advent of all this technology and things like LinkedIn and applicant tracking systems. Now you've opened up the spigot, right? So the people are, it's very easy for them to apply and it's very easy for this flood of resumes to come to a corporation. So it's forced this issue around companies having to use these filters. And I feel like it really, um, limits their talent search, right? It really pairs down how they actually find the right people. It's, it puts it in this like box, right? As opposed to this kind of open marketplace. Wow. So my strategy for people is always, yes, you have to use the technology, but the more you can connect with a human mm. and, and get that connection so that a human can physically or email, like technically email your information to that person that increases your chances. So it's like, you have to kind of work the system from both angles, go directly for what you need to do. And that's, it's, it's gotten more complicated. Whereas in the past, you could just find that human, right? Right. And, right. and, and you didn't get instantaneous rejections like you do now, which really tanks people's moods and energy <laughs> and yeah. right. Like, like, Oh, I submitted it. And five seconds later, I got a no. Right. right. And you don't know why you got a no. Right. And that's the other thing that the, the lack of transparency is hard and it's because of volume and um, systems that are in place that are better and worse in the whole process. This is really interesting stuff to me. I don't know if it's interesting to everybody, but I came from an entrepreneurial (laughs) background with a small business where I was the one that got the resumes and I didn't have, you know, a technology filtering system. But I will say that the amount of resumes was starting to get more and more. And I got really good at scanning them. But at the same time, I also got to the point where I didn't even trust myself scanning them because meeting the people in person and doing an interview with them was so different than the resume that I got to the point where I was almost like, let's just do interviews for all of them. (laughs) Like It was so hard to know. Yes, I did get better. But I didn't realize that in the corporate world there, I mean, I didn't think about it, but there are, it would make complete sense that there would be these huge, um, this huge influx of resumes and how are they going to filter through that? So how does your, and it's, yeah, it's just like an organization, a sales organization that might use Salesforce to manage their, right. A CRM to manage their, their pipelines and things like that. An HR department from a recruiting perspective has to have technology to, for one, run their, their careers website, right. The applicant tracking serves to run their careers website. Like that's the front page of that. It's linked in with their website as well as the back end in managing the talent that's coming their way. Wow. Mm -hmm. Huge stuff. So I want to talk a little bit about your business and you and so when you first started in the business and now you're eight years, was there something that you found out that you didn't know? Like when you and I, when I had asked this question or something similar early on, you said it takes longer than you think. Can you go back yep. to the beginning? That was what was going through my head again. <laughs> I'm glad it's consistent. Yeah. So when, if, if you go back, yeah. what did that look like? And, and what did you think it was going to look like? And what was reality? I think, and I've talked about this with other entrepreneurs, right? So I think that, you know, I was really well connected. I was in the corporate HR space, like since I was 17, right? I am no longer 17, obviously, right? So um, I had this big network. And when I left, I had lots of support. And Oh, I'll send people your way. And this will happen. And this will happen. And I think it took me a while to realize that that wasn't necessarily going to happen. And that not that they didn't mean it, or they may tell someone, but then that someone doesn't reach out to you, right? And I see that all the time, right? Like people send me referrals and I would say I've got a 50-50 shot that that person will reach out to me. And I've had to learn that that's not about me. That's not like to take 
take it personally. It's more that it's an odds game, right? So when you hear that someone's going to send your way, you have to kind of lower your expectations, say, okay, maybe not, maybe, maybe so. In the beginning, I was naive and thought, oh, that's fabulous, right? All these things are coming my way, right? No, it doesn't work like that. That's not how life works, right? And so kind of learning that lesson and tampering those and managing those expectations to know that it's like eh, 50-50 shot, right? Two in 10, you know, something along those lines and making sure you know, because what I did was I was counting on that emotionally and in some ways financially, right, that that was going to happen. And it just wasn't the case. And I've talked about with other entrepreneurs in other spaces that it just takes longer than you think, right? Like there's lots of stories out there about how it was an instant success and all of these things. And that is the, that's like winning the lottery ticket situation, right. not necessarily the reality that happens for most um, new business yeah, the owners. anomaly, not the norm. So I love exactly. what you're pointing out that the emotional part about it, because, you know, when I was in real estate development, you know, you get almost, I don't want to say an ego, but it's easy to be like, this is what we're building. And you have a plan that you're showing everybody. And it's just very like, look at this piece of land. We bought it. Like we're moving forward on it. And so there's mm-hmm. things that you're doing that are very visible And when you're starting something like a coaching business, I feel like things are not as visible. They're more emotional and not that they're not in real estate development, but there's just a different element of like giving yourself space. So it's, you have a product, right? right, That you can show, right? And so I'll give you this example, right? So I worked for Baird Rich, a well-known, known organization in this area, right? Like, um, good reputation. So I had a great brand that I sold, so to speak, as a recruiter, right? Like in the end, recruiting is a sales job about selling a person and selling them on the company and making sure you have a right match. And don't get me wrong. It's not about, it's more involved than that, but in the end, right? So when I went out on my own, I was like, oh, I'm just selling me. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing with coaching, right? You are not, there is nothing to hide behind to feel more comfortable. And I, and I say hide behind because it's really, it's an illusion, right? You're not really hiding behind it, but it gives you that comfort. It's like a security blanket. Like I've got this brand in front of me, or I've got this building in front of me or this product in front of me that I can keep, like if I, I can channel my energy that way. So I don't freak myself out. Whereas <laughs> totally. in coaching, it is just it's you, raw. It's real. Right? It is. It is just you and it's very vulnerable and um, it's a total, like, like as if it's a product, they can say, oh, they just didn't like the product. It's not about me, right? Or, oh, they didn't like the building or it wasn't in the right location, right? It's not about me. In coaching, they said no to you, right? right? And now granted, the reality, it's still not necessarily personal, but there's no barrier. There's nothing, nothing stopping that emotion from hitting your heart directly. So it is, it's a whole different ballgame. I... When people come to me and say, hey, I want to be a coach, to me, that's what I talk about, the emotional impact on you and having to really manage that and have support to deal with that Um, because I find that most people are confronted with that in the coaching space. I love that. I love that awareness. So when you first started, were your packages the same as what they are today? Like, Were you like, yep, I I know how many sessions I'm going to be able to coach people with? It's evolved, right? Like I, I did not charge enough at all in the beginning, right? Like in, in some might say I still don't, but I want to make it accessible and reasonable, right? So, and the, and the Milwaukee marketplace is different than national and, you know, 50% of my client base is in the Milwaukee market. So, um, that, that is probably one thing it was, I, I've definitely tinkered 
with the number of sessions and things like that and found what it really takes to get through the things that I help my clients with, yeah. right? And that's evolved. But it's the core of it hasn't changed as much as you might think. But I had a pretty good sense of what I needed to do because you know, part of what I do is tactical, right? So it was, and it's something I did in my former life. So I knew the reality of what that looks like more than some other coaches that might be helping in a different space that are starting out. So I had that baseline knowledge that helped me kind of say, okay, here's what I think this needs to look like and how many sessions it needs to be and what components are a part of that. And when you work with a client, typically you're working with a new client I mean, how often mm-hmm. would you have repeat, like after your eight or 12 session package, then usually sure. primarily mm-hmm. you're finding new clients all the time. So you've kind of evolved yeah. and developed the marketing in a way that works for you. It's You're saying it wasn't really um, as much referral initially as you thought or had hoped, but is it still quite mm-hmm. a bit referral and where are most of the leads coming from? It's probably 50-50, right? 50% referral, 50% LinkedIn, Google, sort of internet, sort of kind of my content that goes out there, right? So, um, you know, I, I use the LinkedIn platform pretty heavily. I also hired, when I could get to that point in my business, I hired a marketing person to help me with all of that because that is not my forte. I'm better at speaking than I am at writing. So I leverage someone else who has that ability. Words matter. Take what I say. And- with an extrovert, oh, yeah. we just, so- you know... Sometimes we're surprised by what we have to say, but when you say it on social media or something, you can't just rework it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. So I, and now I've had content out there for, um, I started about a year in my business with the marketing person. So like seven years, right? So I've got, uh, and I did some on my own, but that was not my forte. I knew from the beginning that 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 was something I needed to hire, right? In the beginning of my business, I really built it by person-to-person networking because that's what my strength was and that's what I knew. And I knew that wasn't going to be sustainable, but it's what I had, right? right? It was what I could manage. Um, and then I added on that marketing component and hired that expertise. And that's really helped um my just my presence online and all the SEO things right. and things like that of you know month after month of blogs and weekly content and things. So like how that much really, of the business is networking yeah. based today? Not a lot, mm. especially post COVID. Not a mm. lot, um, right? I I found that in the beginning, part of my networking I thought I would get more business from, but in the end, it was more helped me build my community and my support system. Yeah. Uh, and I found, you know, some, some partners now that are better referral sources or former clients, right. Right. That come to me or say, Hey, I need some help with my current job and they hire me back again and things like that. So that definitely, um, plays into kind of how my clients flow into me. So today when you're helping clients, what is it that your clients most depend on you for that you really love? The sanity check. (laughs) Right? I like, love you. <laughs> I, 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 like the job search is hard. Like finding a job, I'm not going to lie. Like it is not easy, right? Like it is emotionally taxing. It is time consuming. It is, it is not easy, right? And it, so that, the re, because of that, right? Because technology is complicated and instant rejections and things like that. It is, you know, helping them stay grounded and centered and reminded that they're decent humans and that this just isn't meant to be, right? Like I would say, yes, I have lots of expertise and can tell them why it's happening or what they should do and things like that, like tactically that I know they probably find really valuable. Um, and that's probably why they hired me. It's why I do this business 
business, right? Like I'm leveraging my expertise and you get to, you get that right. And working with me. But the thing I love is, is talking them off the ledge, right? Like, and helping them get back to them and grounded and centered and like, okay, I got this right. And because it is, it is such a roller coaster and, um, it's often you get the pressure of yourself that you're putting on yourself as well as your family around you that it's like, Oh, how's it going? Right. And all these <laughs> questions and things right. like that. And, and it's not helpful, right? Like none of that is right. helpful to anybody. It's so like right after you have a kid, then people ask you, are you ready for another one? You're like, Oh my word, give yep. me a minute. <laughs> exactly. exactly it, Jamie. Exactly. You're reminding right, me too so. of when my husband and I were first married and he had moved to Wisconsin from Iowa and he had always been offered jobs or people referred him in the past. And so coming and actually looking for a job 30 days in he was getting that defeated you yep. know it, it's just a real thing and then oh yeah an emotional roller coaster no matter where you're at yeah, yeah. I always liken it to it's kind of like running a marathon without knowing where the water stations are and not knowing how long that actual marathon is right? Like you got no information, you're flying blind and you have very, very little control. Like it, so, and I work with a lot of like high achiever control freaks. So it's like a nightmare. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, like, of course this is painful. (laughs) I love the analogy and keeping it real, you know, because that's, this is normal. This is not about you. This is normal. Normalizing it. It is not, it is not a reflection that you, it's not about you stinking, right? right? Like it is just about the process, Right. right? Like, you know, you. I always tell people you are collecting no's. The no, more no's you collect, right? The more reject emails you collect, you are that much closer to your. You're a sales coach, right? and the too. right thing. Career and sales coach. <laughs> it's that's one of the things actually that I've noticed when you say I'm going to get some more education and go to college for a degree. One of the degrees that is not really well promoted, or if it exists, I don't know about it, is sales, or even in every degree, mm-hmm. sales training. And so I used to mm-hmm. hire interior design interns for a furniture store that I was um, mm-hmm. responsible for. And the designers all wanted to play with colors and they wanted to play behind the scenes. And I was like, we have actual clients here and you actually have to sell yourself. Did they give you any mm-hmm. sales training? You know, it was like, No. Well, unfortunately, in the real world, you're actually selling me on yourself right now. And if I hire you, you're going to be selling yourself to whatever clients you're going to be working with. And we don't just get to play with colors for fun. Yeah, it's a real gap, right? I found the same thing, to be honest. There's a it's not exactly the same, but it reminds me of that. When I got to the HR department, right? I was the only psychology major there. And so I would talk to them and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't plan on being HR, just kind of in HR, just evolved, it happened, right? Like um, none of them had any psychology classes. Right. And I'm like, all you do is deal with people, right? Like, and and we're talking about a services business, right? So different from manufacturing, right? right? So it's all about relationships and people. And so it's very people centric. And I'm like, you don't have any training in this space, right? Like I had done... I had done crisis counseling and all sorts of things, right? And the psych degree on top of that. So I was really adept at dealing with people problems, right? And and situations that I wasn't expecting. But it, theirs was all still kind of old school 1950s focused around labor law, yes, right? Yes. Like rules and regulations and policies. And HR is like that much of that. And really this much of the people sort of side of things. What, so, what you're mm-hmm. saying is yeah. huge. And again, I didn't know either. You know, when you're looking at what do I want to do for my future and you look at the list of degrees that are optioned from, you know, offered at different colleges, 
you don't think, oh, well, psychology and HR go together. (laughs) But, you know, if anyone said they wanted to be in HR, I would say, make sure you take some psychology classes or get a minor or something to help complement that because it will really help you be successful um, in that space and in that industry. It's a people industry. Yeah, I love it. So Mm -hmm. if you knew that you couldn't fail, what would be super amazing if it could be true five years from now? That's a good question. Um, I'd probably write a book, but it's less, I'm going to be honest, it's less about failure and I don't like to write, right? Like you've heard me say that. So it's more, it's, I'll be honest, it's, it's less about failure and more about like, wow, that feels like a really huge. That would be a growth opportunity for you. You were like, yeah, someone said recently, I heard that if you can talk about a subject for five hours, that you can write a book. And I was like, okay. I can talk about something for five hours. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll use some of that new technology, you know, like Otter AI or something like that. And then just speak into mm-hmm. a microphone and hopefully, you know, Jasper or one of those AI type things could turn sure, it into yeah. a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> it's kind of like when, I, when, I, when it's like people start a business, they're like, oh, I'm just going to add water and stir. Right. Boom, it's going to be a business. No, I'm not that either. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been so great to talk to you. And I love listening to everything from, you know, your experience and how you started to how you're helping clients and recognizing that we have to do something as coaches that really, it is about us being in a good place, like you said, because it's, Mm -hmm. we're not selling a different product that we can hide behind. So exactly. Is there anything else that comes to mind that you'd love to share when you think about someone that might be considering a career transition or considering becoming a coach? It's totally worth it, right? Like making that change, right? Like I've seen on both like my clients in making the change, like, you know, a teacher that's now in a marketing role, you know, those sorts of things. So I've worked in so many different spaces, seeing that evolution and that like, oh, I did it. And I'm so much happier is, is really rewarding. I think as far as a coach, um, it's the best job I've ever had. Like this is, this is by far what I was meant to do in my life. And I feel really grateful, um, to be able to do it and, and pretty honored to be able to help people in that way through a really vulnerable time, right? Like careers mean a lot to people and to be able to help them navigate that people don't think about that being vulnerable, but it really is because so much of our core is wrapped up into our career and helping navigate that is really important. So I would say that. that is awesome. I'm really glad I asked the question because I loved your answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and a blessing to spend this time with you. It's been great to chat, Jamie. Really appreciate the opportunity. It's been wonderful to talk with you. 